everyone needs a pastor. A Visit to the Pastor study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. Pastors get lots of attention, but their wives get far less. And that's unfortunate because, well, behind every faithful, hardworking, conscientious married pastor, there must be an equally faithful and equally hardworking and equally conscientious wife. Because they're one flesh, they're necessarily in pastoral ministry together. If the pastor's wife thrives in her work, well, the pastor's ministry will usually thrive as well. And likewise, if the pastor's wife suffers, well, you know what's next. The pastor's ministry will most likely suffer as well. Now, in one sense, a pastor's wife is no different than the wife of a man in any calling. She's to be a helper suitable to her husband. She's to love him and submit to him. She's to be faithful to him. She's to be a godly mother to the children the Lord's pleased to give them. They're to pray together. They're to enjoy one another. They're to be intimate with one another. They're to be hospitable. And they're to serve the Lord together in whatever their calling or callings might be. They're to be a mirror of Christ and his church. But there are unique pressures on a woman who happens to be the wife of a pastor. She'll have an increased tendency to overwork. Like her husband, she needs to be an example as a spouse, as a parent, and as a member of both church and community. She'll feel the weight of being a servant of Christ just as much as her husband will. But never forget that the Bible calls her the weaker vessel as she bears all that weight of servanthood in so many spheres of life. She's one flesh with a husband who lives in a fishbowl. Even as everyone knows he's a pastor, everyone knows that she's the pastor's wife in church, at home, in the neighborhood, in the school, in the homes of others, and in the community. And like it or not, people say that's the pastor's wife. She feels the pressure of being a representative of Christ just as much as her pastor husband does. She is the older woman that younger women will look to as a Christian role model and also for counsel, especially in our age of the rapid erosion of godly male and female role models. Women who've never had such Christian models will understandably glom onto a pastor's wife, even when the pastor's wife herself wrestles with how to be a godly wife and mother in this perplexing world. The wife of the pastor may become a channel for those who won't speak directly with the pastor or the elders of their local congregation. And if she's not careful, she ends up taking to herself burdens that are meant to be on the church leadership, not on the pastor's wife. She's often more sensitive to and bruised by criticisms and church problems than is her pastor husband. Weaker vessel probably has a woman's emotional nature in view, and criticisms, gossip, plus the weight of sensitive issues in church life can easily overburden a pastor's wife. She wants to be a helpmeet to her pastor husband, so she'll often be drained by these things even more than he will be. And 
To make these challenges even greater, she usually doesn't receive the energizing encouragements, input, and stimulation that her pastor husband gets. He has time for communion with God in his times of reading and prayer. She's feeding the children and changing their diapers. He gets comments at the door regarding his sermons, hopefully encouraging comments. She doesn't get thanks for protecting her husband's time in the study for all the sermon preparation. He gets to go to conferences and other gatherings that put fuel into his spiritual tank. She's home doing laundry, running around as chauffeur to the children, planning, shopping for, and preparing the meals, leading family devotions, and carrying out necessary child discipline in her husband's absence. You get the idea. And the very real danger in all of this is that part of one flesh in Christian ministry becomes crippled. Sometimes, and I am sorry to have to say it, the crippling is permanent. There are pastor's wife casualties just as there are pastor casualties. Well, if you haven't guessed it, our topic for today's visit to the pastor's study is what I'm calling the unprivate life of a pastor's wife. We'll delve into some of the wife of a pastor challenges you've just heard about and numbers of others, but we'll also talk about how to meet these challenges and to be more than a conqueror in the power of Christ. So this program is for pastor's wives, pastor husbands, and for church members who want to be helps rather than hindrances to both their pastor and his wife. I have an extra special guest for today's program. She happens to be my wife, the wife of a man who's been a pastor for nearly 40 years, and she still remains a beautiful 29 <laughs> when she was still Margaret Reeder. Uh, but was engaged to be married to Bill Shishko. Uh, the one who is now Margaret Shishko expected that her future husband would be a lawyer or a teacher or both. For various reasons, she did not want to be a pastor's wife, but God had other plans. Shortly after they were engaged in 1975, the elders of the church Bill attended urged him to attend seminary as part of his preparation to be, you guessed it, a pastor. When Margaret heard that, she cried. But she still married Bill in 1976. She was with him during his three years of seminary training, and she became a pastor's wife when her husband was ordained as a minister and installed as a pastor in McClellanville, South Carolina, in October 1979. And then in 1981, her pastor's wife calling shifted to Long Island, New York, after Bill was called to serve as pastor of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square. And over the 35 years and three and a half months he served as pastor of that congregation, Margaret became the mother of five more children, in addition to the one born in South Carolina, taught Sunday school, helped in the church nursery, opened the home for hospitality to countless people, prepared meals for those in need, helped in a Christian school, homeschooled, counseled younger women, assisted new moms, and the list goes on and on and on. I simply do not know of a better pastor's wife, and I don't know any pastor's wife better than I do Margaret Shishko. So we have her with us to help us today as we open up the topic of the unprivate life of a pastor's wife. Now remember that 
This program enables you to call in with your questions, and we invite that. Our live call-in number is 631-955-5400. Please jot it down, 631-955-5400. And you can also text your questions at this special number for Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. For your texted questions, 516-367-0391. But for now... Margaret Shishko, Mrs. Pastor Bill, welcome to a visit to the Pastor's Study. Thank you, Pastor Shishko. Well, to say the least, it's wonderful to have you with us here in the studio today. Why didn't you want to be a pastor's wife? Being a pastor's wife is very public, and I'm a very private person. Hence the title, The Unprivate Life of a Pastor's Wife. And also is very shy when I was younger. And that it just didn't seem to fit for my personality. And you had a bad experience with um, a sister who's now with the Lord, whose first husband, who was was killed in a car accident. Bad experience with her, with her situation as a pastor's right. wife, right? They, she was married to a pastor, and she had to work full time because his salary was so small. And not only did she work full-time, but she also did a tremendous amount of work in the church. Yeah, she was in a place where pastor's wife is almost like another office, right? Exactly. And so that was was your stereotype. It was what I expected, and it was getting two for the price of one, plus the additional need for her to work outside the home full-time. Yeah, okay. Okay, so talk, what... Maybe I'd use fish tank, given the size of our family, but what's it like living in a fish bowl as the wife of a man whose life is on constant public display? Well, I think, you know, you learn over time to get used to that, and I like to have things in place, and I like to have a clean house. But if you've had company one day, then the next day things are not as in place as you would like them to be, and you're catching up. Because preparing for people to come, it's used to be for me a day to cook and clean that up, and then a day to clean the house. But I've learned to streamline things more. It's now you cook and clean in the same day. And then if they leave really late, you can finish the dishes in the morning, which is not my preference. But but being so visible... I just had to learn to get over it and also ask for help. When people come, uh, we give them little jobs to do, like, can you finish the salad? Can you put the ice in the glasses for the water? And will you help me? It's actually not can you. It's here. You you put the ice in the glasses, clean up. (laughs) Sometimes we say please. Now, now did you have an overeager husband who was rather quick to invite people to the house and overly encumber your schedule, Mrs. Absolutely. (laughs) It was when I stopped working outside the home because uh, he finished seminary. He would invite people. If possible, he would do it three or four times a week. But we soon realized that was not financially. It was too much to provide. And time-wise, it was just too daunting. 
Yeah, of course, our, our Monday POA meetings, that right. was either plan of action or plan of attack, depending on what the week was like, where we learned to walk through the week and, and to breathe a, a little bit with the schedule. Um, okay, uh, together we raised six children, and I'm being very honest, you took up the bulk of the responsibility when they were, when they were little. Um, that's hard enough uh, in any place, let alone on Long Island and New York, and then doing that as a pastor's wife. Uh, talk with us, Mrs. Shishko, about, about we'll start up, so that maybe the burdens first and then the blessings. Well, that's um, coming to the Reformed faith as we were getting married. I realized that children, God says, are a tremendous blessing. And once you finish seminary, we wanted to have six children. By the time we had our fifth one, I began to wonder if we should have that number six. Now, looking back, I'm very thankful that we did. Yeah, since it's our one daughter. Yeah, one and only, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Um, well... The burden of it, I was somewhat used to my mother having to be the disciplinarian and the the cook and maintenance person in our home because my dad worked in construction and often would have to work out of town. So that part didn't bother me tremendously. That, that until, was kind of the Lord preparing you in many ways yes, for a similar situation. Until the kids, until our young children became teenagers, and then the issues became more complex and needed more reasoning. And I'm better with little ones than I am with teenagers. So I felt it more during that time. Uh, Long Island is an interesting place to raise a family because most families have two incomes. And because of the size of our family, that was not possible when they were young. It was very diff- that part was difficult, but the Lord says he can provide by little or much. And I saw him do it, and I can tell the next generation God does provide. He doesn't always provide by money, but sometimes you'll be given bags of clothes. And thankfully on Long Island, there are all kind of thrift stores and garage sales and people don't wear their clothes out. Sometimes they're brand new when you get them in one of these situations. And then the Lord provided a huge attic for all those clothes, so we were able to t- take them and give them to others along exactly. the way. Exactly. But we also had our housing provided. That was We would have never been able to have six children in this area without having a church house and having that. And they kept it up well. I tried very hard not to ask for things that were extravagant or, but just necessary. Uh, they always accommodated us extremely well. Yeah, the the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square, where I pastored, they, they were exemplary. Yes. In all of those things, all of the time, that was that was huge. Um, did you get snide remarks from people about having six children? Yes, you do. Um, why are you having so many kids? <laughs> and I think when Christian people start asking that, then I begin to say, "What? Well, maybe this is beyond what I can take care of. And I think you have to resolve that personally, that you have before God, this is what we committed to. And if the Lord didn't give us a sixth child, then that's fine. But we had talked about it and planned for it and... 
I was very careful not to go over the budget that the church had set. So the Lord did provide. So you learned about thrift stores and clinics. Yeah, health clinics were tremendous help. And my older sister, who was helpful as a nurse and a teaching nurse, to say, all those vaccinations are paid for by the government. Your doctor is paying you to administer them, and you can go to a clinic, and the nurses will not charge you to give them those shots. It's uh, tremendous plus help. Plus, it was great avenue for ministry with people we that would never have people, come in contact people. with. Yeah, yes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you are much more gracious with the snide remarks about six children. I, I in my in my um, kinder moments. I would say, as I do now, your children are your greatest long-term investments, and they are. However, in my more carnal moments, at least once I was wont to say to a a man who offered a very unwanted and very um, uh, negative comment about the six children, I said to him, if I were you, I would be thankful because these children are going to pay your Social Security. So not not the best way to win friends and influence people, but you have to have to be. Okay, so those are the bird. What about the blessings, though? Well, blessed is he who has his quiver full of them. Six. They love each other. They love the banter. Actually, this Christmas was the first Christmas. They weren't all together, and uh, you could see that they were blue that they missed each other. They want that interaction. Also, um, they all did start working very young, first with yard work, and they wanted to work for someone else other than me because I was very... um, Strict. Strict, and I, you know, often they would have to come back and do something over. But I was trying to help them be prepared for when they got out in the workplace, and, boy, as soon as they could get paid from someone... They went to work, and it gave them a great, a greater sense of confidence that some were working at 14, 15. Our daughter, thankfully, she was able to wait until she was almost 16 to get out in this world. It's a tough world out there, but they are able to express their faith in front of people being already put in situations where they're in the public and not just in the private and protected life of church life. Yeah, yeah. I know we noticed that each of our children has particular speaking abilities, not only because they were in worship every week and listening to preaching, yes. but because in the home they, they learned to, to speak with people. Well, I think they identified with their dad as a pastor, and he was always speaking, but they also saw him always preparing. They never thought of it as being something you could wing it with. They really know that it takes a lot of time and thought and preparation to speak well. Yeah, I I think, too, as as I reflect back on on it now, uh, the fact that that no subject was off limits at the home. We always, whatever they wanted to discuss, obviously within the bounds of propriety, but they didn't want anything improper anyway, but uh, in anything, whether it be the political sphere, whether it be the things of the scriptures, ethical issues, moral issues, whatever, we were able to discuss those things in light of the Word of God and, and develop their reasoning abilities. I also very appreciative when they worked that they always had employers who honored their Lord's Day yes, convictions. Yes, they did. Yeah, they, they were taught to be right up front about all of that. Um, the Did you struggle, Mrs. Shishko, 
Would the perfect parent syndrome? Well, I know there's no perfect parent. It's Other than God the Father. God, yeah. Except right. our Father in Heaven and His His Son. Um, and I had a good example of my mother. If she was overly st- stern with us or harsh, she would ask our forgiveness, which I realized is an unusual thing for a parent to do, but I also would do that with my own children. And I had many times told them, to whom much is given, much is required. You are blessed to be in a church family and in a church home where Christ is first, but you have to set an example. And I think they felt the burden of that, and I did as well, because if you don't rule your house well, then my husband couldn't rule in the house of God. And I do think at times they may have gotten tired of hearing me say, your dad's a pastor. They knew that, but, you know, I didn't want them to be unkind to other young people in the church. I remember my daughter saying, I'm not, that person is, I don't like her. And I said, it doesn't matter who you like or who likes you right now. You are to be respectful because God made that person. Their background may be different than yours. And in some ways, it may be better than yours. Yeah, I may not like everybody, but we're commanded to love everybody. Exactly. Uh, it certainly did teach us <laughs> at the end of every day uh, that we go back to the perfect obedience of Christ and, yes. and, and rest in that. We certainly didn't have it as parents. We're dealing today with the unprivate life of a pastor's wife, and the pastor's wife who's speaking for pastor's wives is my own wife, Margaret Shishko. Uh, hospitality is going to come up in just a bit. If you have your questions that you would like to ask, the call-in number for live calls, 631 631- Nine five 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 four zero zero six three one nine five 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 four zero zero. If you want to text in your questions, if you're more comfortable with that, text number five one six three six seven zero three nine one. Write it down to Pastor Bill five one six three six seven zero three nine one. We'll be back with more of the unprivate life of a pastor's wife after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. 
Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you today. We're dealing with the unprivate life of a pastor's wife. And as I expected, the calls are coming in. We've got a lot to cover. First, uh, our call from uh, Julie in Brooklyn. Julie, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Hello. Greetings. Good to have you with us on the program. What's on your mind today, Julie? Well, Margaret, um, Mrs. Shishko, I am also a pastor's wife, um, I live in Brooklyn. My husband pastors a church in Manhattan. And I would like to get your thoughts on friendship uh, with women in the congregation. Um, I have read and heard it said that a pastor's wife shouldn't have close friends uh, of women in the congregation. You have to protect the home. You have to protect your husband and his ministry, your children. Um, How have... How have you reconciled that over the years, and how has um, God led you through that, through friendships with women? Great question, Julie. There's another that came up. How did you deal with loneliness? And they're kind of similar here, but thanks so much for that. Mrs. Shishko. Hi, Julie. It's good to hear your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wasn't extremely lonely. I moved around a lot when I was a young person with my own family, and I was pretty content to, you know, be solo at times. And I wasn't homesick after I had my own children, so that was a blessing. But friendship's another thing, I think, beyond that. I found that I did need friends. I really, especially as the we had a larger family and I didn't have my own family to fall back on and being a a little bit uneasy about just asking for help. I should have been more humble and asked for more help, but I thank God he did send me a very close friend who was single at the time and was not employed at that time. And she was, for me, God's instrument and like an angel, a ministering spirit, she would help me with the children, help me get their homework done, even help me get them to bed. And then, you know, we would visit together and encourage one another. And I felt that some people did look at that a little uneasily, thinking that I might be talking to her or telling her things about other people in the church, but that's not one of my besetting sins, and I didn't do that, and we were very careful not to to go there. Now, then she got married, and so I didn't say I lost my best friend, because Bill is my best friend, and we talk about just about everything, and Bill is my best friend, so I've always loved our communion. But I think everybody needs friends. I think the Lord Jesus had close disciples. Of John was definitely a very close disciple, and Peter. And I don't think that man is does well to to be too independent. Does that help, Julie? Yes. 
what are your thoughts? I'd like to know what you think about it. <clears throat> well, I I had a similar instance um, in in my earlier years where a young single woman came along to teach my eldest daughter piano, and we became um, very good friends. But I did have to walk that line um, when we would, and it's funny, we, it was almost um, mirroring how uh, how your experience was. The kids would go to bed, and we would finally sit down, and we would talk. And but I I did have um, to walk that line where I was careful about mm-hmm. what to say about yes. her pastor mm-hmm. and or or our family, and. Um, I, I sort of learned the hard way over the first few years. And there are times now in a smaller church that I'm in that I still, I walk the line. I don't cross it as much as I used to uh, because I've learned yes. sometimes the hard way. But um, And the Lord reminds me mm. to uh, be careful. But um, it's still there. There are women that want... Um, they want a closeness with you. That's fine. But many want information as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. That, that's very perceptive, and I found that true. Some people, I had somebody say, oh, I'd love to be a fly on your wall. And I'm like, whew, thank God they're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Another exactly. Thing, thank you very much. Another thing, Julie, that, that we tried to do with more or less success in all of our communications with the boys or, or with people who came to the house, we tried to take the, the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 and, and uh, use those as standards for our speech, uh, whether it's close friends, acquaintances, or whatever. But bottom line is it, we're, we're still human beings, and we need to have mm. friends. Although I hope with, with you, as I'm sure it is, as with Margaret, a husband and wife still still in Christ, the best friend. Yes, yes, and I've also found... Um, other pastors' wives are a great yeah. yes. encouragement to me and to my heart. Um, so I, I thank you, my Amen. friend. Ah, thank you very much. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate the phone call. Another question that, that's come in. This is a massive one. Uh, children of pastors often have bad reputations. Uh, how how did we deal with that, avoid that? I'm thankful that we can say that none of our children has a bad reputation a, at all. Um, but uh, things, Mrs. Shishko, we did to, to avoid that? Well, I think pastors' children sometimes get a little beyond themselves because they identify with the pastor being in front of the congregation, and it puffs them up. And that's always a dangerous thing. Uh, I thank God again for my own mother. She would sit us down when she thought our behavior was inappropriate and say, who do you think you are? Well, I think pastor's children have to learn that they're, they're sinners saved by grace. They don't come to Christ as pastor's children or as you know, illuminaries or specially privileged, but often because they are around the things of God so much, they do again, they may tend to turn it off and not take it as seriously as they should. And that's where we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think one of the things that we 
that we face as a challenge. Uh, pastor's children, obviously, they, they don't know, as they shouldn't, you know, all, all the things that go on behind the scenes in church life, but they see things. And when professed Christians can be uh, stumbling blocks to them, they feel that very acutely, not least when uh, those that those people, maybe the parents of, of their close friends, uh, so there is that occupational hazard. I think the the other thing and uh, is for pastors to always and their wives to always try to set an example in the home of what godliness is and be be in the home what they are in in public. Uh, but appreciate the the sensitive question. We're dealing with the unprivate life of a pastor's wife, and and there's much more to cover. But let me just take a minute uh, too to tell you a little bit about what this program is and who's bringing it to you. There's a group of Orthodox Presbyterian uh, churches in the southern Connecticut and actually central Connecticut now in metropolitan New New York area, uh, technically called a presbytery. Uh, but this group of churches is presenting this program to you as part of their outreach to this, uh, this area and also through uh, Redeemer Broadcasting. Uh, we have congregations in East Haddam, Connecticut. That's Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamden, Connecticut, the uh, what's what's called Westchester OP Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, New York, Reformation Presbyterian Church in Queens, appropriately as we've mentioned before, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square on Long Island, Trinity Church in Syosset, and then the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia. And we'd invite you to look into those churches if you don't have a home church and you're in those areas. We can recommend them to you as having uh, faithful pastoral ministries, kind of like you hear presented on this program, which is its design. If you'd like to know more about a visit to the pastor's study, we welcome you to the growing number of of programs in the archives, uh, which have been found helpful to people. They're kind of slices of, of biblical church life, programs like Your Work in God's World and Your Wealth in God's World. And Christian children's music, which happens to be one of one of our favorites, uh, because it's my guest is our very uh, close friend and sister in Christ, Judy Rogers. But you can find those archives and many others at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. You can Google that in, and you'll get the the site. Or at uh, sermonaudio.com, uh, which is a great resource for teaching and preaching. Just uh, when you go there, search the visit the pastor's study site and you'll have the full archives of the program we'd like it if you'd like us on facebook too. visit to the pastor's study site there and we value your questions and your comments love to hear your emails uh, you can email me at visit pastor bill that's all one word visit pastor bill at gmail.com we're dealing with the unprivate life of the pastor's wife call in number 631-955-5400 or if you prefer the text number for pastor bill Five one six three six seven zero three nine one. Mrs. Shishko, let's talk about hospitality. How did you do hospitality with everything else on your plate? Well, we learned to plan everything out. We would, my husband and I would talk on Monday mornings about our schedule and who would be coming during that week and what we would be serving. So planning was paramount to getting the work done. Um, I think if Peter also in the books that he wrote said that we're to do hospitality without complaining, I think if it weren't a lot of work, more people would do it. So I think 
it's a privilege to be able to serve people. And the Lord Jesus came and he put a towel around his own waist and he served his disciples at the Last Supper. I'm sure he must have served them throughout his ministry as well. But also, we would plan. You, my husband gave me the book Open Heart, Open Home when we first went into the ministry, and I just thought, I can never do this. Yeah, I mean, because that depicts people come to your house, you've got the laundry on the table, you're folding up your husband's underwear, and <laughs> that kind of thing. And what do you do when they just drop in? Here, help me fold the socks, please. And you can do that some, but when you're homeschooling, I don't think you can do it well, because you have a schedule that you must keep. Or one summer, we actually had to do homeschool throughout the whole summer. I don't know if it was because of hospitality, but I think it was. But it was also because of the student in some regards, too. But I just found that exercising hospitality became more important to have things. Perfection is not attainable. And I became comfortable with knowing that the things, you know, the bathrooms were clean, the kitchens clean, the floors vacuumed. And beyond that, I had to live in reality and enjoy the people because if I wanted everything to be what I considered acceptable, I couldn't really relax when they got there because I was still thinking about things I didn't get done. Yeah, I think we're not also impacted by 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 Jesus saying, "Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of these, the least my little ones, you've done it unto me." Well, that's true. And teaching our own children, they had chores to do, but I didn't feel that they should be servants in the sense of, "Well, mommy and daddy are having company again, and you are going to clean for this." Yes, they had chores, and they were expected to do those, and they did. But if we we did the brunt of the planning and pre- preparation, because otherwise we could have all worked 24-7, but children need time to study, and they need time to relax and be children. Very helpful bit of pastoral counsel that we got early on, because we, we just enjoy uh, opening up our home to people is, but when as the children were getting older, and and frankly they began to struggle a little bit with resentment because we had so many people. A very dear pastor friend and mentor had said to us, "There's a time to every purpose under heaven," mm-hmm. and it was a reminder that we needed to pull in the reins a little bit when it came to uh, exercising hospitality, and uh, we did that. Now, now of course, with only with only one left at home, we've got uh, more more time to do that. Right, because things don't get put out of place; things stay put, and so the house stays somewhat clean now that we only have we have one adult child living at home. My husband had to remind me once, uh, only God can do all the good he wants to do. We can only do a little. Right. It's it's. But I, I we don't want to want to over really emphasize the blessings. Absolutely. When you enter into people's lives, and it wasn't just a matter of having the Bible conference speakers come to the house and the luminaries, it was a matter of having unconverted people come to the house and and people mm-hmm. whose lives were just messed up, and and being able to to open up our home to them, showing the hospitality of God was a tremendous blessing. What I found, and it was tremendous blessing, as we did it incrementally and small, having people in for a meal, 
later I found I could do better planning for larger things. I'm never going to be, you know, a CEO type person. But it also helped me later when my own kids had uh, bridal showers, baby showers, uh, to be able to do it. I would have never had the confidence to take that on if we hadn't had people in continuously and often. And that was a tremendous blessing. Well, I think I've grown to love having people, people around us and talking to them. I want to find out what they're interested in, what makes them tick, what well, God's doing in their lives. Well, it's been fascinating for us. It's been like a like, like a whole library of, of lives. Yeah, I, I think too, as, as I think of you, Margaret, it's not just a matter of you having the house open and having people in. But the number of, of chicken pot pies, Margaret has a great recipe for chicken pot pie, those things, and your spinach pies and other things that you made, another way of showing hospitality. Of course, this all costs money. Yes. Um, budget issues? Uh, you, you weren't dealing with a, <laughs> with, a, with a huge bank account for all of these things. How did you deal with budget issues? Well, I learned to cook economically and... There were times we also would have uh, someone from overseas stay with us for a longer length of time, and the deacons would actually help us with the food bill because it was more expansive than what we could handle on our own. So that was, um, but that's some of my extra earnings would go toward buying the food and then our kids benefited too because i would make things that were a little bit more special they enjoyed that too yeah yeah and we say your extra earnings because as the children got older and we were past the homeschooling phase for them and you were able to go out and do some health care uh work jobs and, and so on and so forth did you worry about finances there was a time that it was a a huge concern for me it was when our son our oldest son was ready to go to college and you were away I was taking the kids somewhere and he said how am I going to go to college because we can't afford it and he couldn't see me because it was dark but I was tearing up and I just said well if it's God's will for you to go to college it will definitely work out and I said some kids do have to wait a year to save money to go to college and he was that kind of kid. He was very responsible. But he didn't have to wait. The Lord did open the door for a Christian college for him that was relatively inexpensive. And he also worked cleaning houses his first two years there, which I felt was a little bit much for a guy to have to do. But he did it. And he helped pay for his tuition, and we were able to help him. The last two years of his college experience, the Lord provided him with a paid internship in accounting. And I was thrilled beyond measure at God's goodness to him. And when he finished college, everything was paid for. And I just was astounded at God's provision and his kindness. And it built his confidence that he got a paid internship. Another thing, too, for us is I think as we would work through the little children's catechism with the children, uh, what is the Eighth Commandment, which is to not steal? What does it teach? It's to be honest and industrious. And it has been a, a, a blessing beyond words. 
as we see how with each of our six children, Mm -hmm. God provided work for them in which they are honest by God's grace and they are industrious by God's grace and would encourage parents out there when it's little you don't you don't see this coming but as they get older you will see they really are your long-term investments and and you see how God has prospered them here's a texted question that came in um Mrs. Shishko would you comment on, on your traditional thanksgiving outreach to everybody <laughs> well my I, guess, I guess the word's gotten around <laughs> my husband is an only child, so he never wants people to be alone, especially on a holiday, and he always invited from the church anyone that he thought might not have a place to be. And you know what? It became a tremendous blessing. My husband and I work really like three days to get this ready. He fries a turkey, he smokes a turkey, he smokes a ham, and he, we make pies We do a lot of cooking. A lot of cooking. (laughs) And our kids, really, this Thanksgiving was not supposed to be at our home, but I think they all missed it and wanted to come back again, and so we did do it just for them this year. But I think they even missed having other people there. And I think that's why my children are not shy. They've learned to communicate with adults and ages, all ages of people, because when they're in your home... You, you're more relaxed, and you can get to know people better. It's been a tremendous blessing. God said it is, and he's absolutely right. Yeah, those Thanksgiving times, uh, it would with the people from so many different nations that yes. would be with us, yes. uh, the, the U.N. General Assembly had nothing on us. And what was uh, a particular delight for us when we would have non-believers coming, in, in, in some cases the uh, the unbelieving spouse of, of, a, of a believer, I would love to put my arm around one of my black sisters, Andrea, and tell people without batting an eye, this is my sister. Yes. And uh, her son, this is this is my son in the Lord. And it was a great way to, to depict what the gospel does to people as yes. well. So Hallelujah. <laughs> we're dealing we're dealing they're having a lot of fun with it with the unprivate life of of the pastor's wife. And uh we'll we rather than go to the voice of the pastor's study because we've got so much more to say, I'll just remind you again, this program is vo- brought to you by uh the Presbyterian the churches of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in uh, Southern Connecticut and also in New York. You can find out more about uh, the agency that's part of that Presbytery Reformation Metro New York by just Googling in Reformation Metro New York, and you'll find out about our, our other projects other than the radio program. And this is a visit to the Pastor's Study, which has its own website and its archives, and we would invite you to go there. Margaret Shishko with me today, the wife of Pastor Bill, and we're talking about the unprivate life of a pastor's wife. Uh, we better get to this one. Criticisms and gossip, Margaret. Uh, how'd you deal with that? I'm not sure I dealt with it always well. <laughs> um, there's no way to deal with gossip unless things come to you directly. You don't have a basis to deal with it. Uh, otherwise, you go around suspecting people and imagining what they might be saying. That's very, but it is very detrimental to church life, and it's very, God is very displeased with that. Um, The Psalms speak of those who 
use their mouths to destroy. Spreading trouble with their brothers, as it is in Judy Rogers' song. And God song. says he hates that. So that is a... But God himself said he would prove us. He, before him, there is one person and only one that you can tell everything to. And that's not first your husband, that's the Lord Jesus in prayer. And you can bring everything captive, everything before him. I don't know why in the scriptures, and I think it's in the book of James, it says confessing your sins to one another. I think that um, I think that we have to be careful to confess first only to Christ, and acknowledging yes, we are sinners, and there is no hope. We can't add to what Christ did. We are born in the first Adam. We have to be born in the last Adam, and Christ always hears the righteous when we pray, not because we're righteous in ourselves, but righteous in Christ. Also, the importance of, uh, well, we mentioned 1 Corinthians 13 and letting, letting love cover a multitude of transgressions. I think it was also helpful for both of us when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, it's a small thing that right. I be judged by you or by any man. I don't know anything against myself, but I'm not justified in this. He who judges me is the Lord. Uh, those are and, and, and big thing is to continue to show love to other people, not not be not not evil surmising, not yeah. holding grudges, sure. I think one time I did have the courage to say to someone, have you spoken to them personally? Uh, and another time, this is not edifying. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, good, good cards. Now, our time is winding down, Mrs. Margaret Shishko. So when you first found out that your husband was headed for the ministry, you didn't want to be a pastor's wife. Have you changed your mind? Absolutely. Why and how? Well, I love the gospel to be proclaimed. I love Christ. And I love, I want people to know he is the only God that came and died for his people. He's glorious. He's righteous. He made provision so that we can be truly, absolute righteous in him. I love perfection. I want his name to be glorified. And I know my husband has gifts for that in communication. So I want, I, I, I definitely would not want him to do anything else. The, the look at pastors' wives and uh, maybe uh, pastors' wives on the way uh, listening in. What counsel would you give them, Margaret? Well, I think you have to take life in bite-sized pieces. The Lord's prayer is my my daily prayer. Give us today our daily bread. That means everything for body and soul. So that, and deliver us from the evil one and forgive us our debts. I think it puts in perspective, but also at the end of that prayer, it says, yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory. All of those things, all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Taking it one day at a time. Yes. Sufficient unto the day yes. is the evil thereof. How often we've quoted yes. that, which means each day has enough trouble of its own. And also, as your days are, so your strength will be has gotten us through these things. And I, and I uh, when we were going over the discussion, communicating, and I was so moved by the fact 
that you had said when we were anticipating this question. Uh, I think your exact words were, we serve a wonderful and glorious master. And you quoted David Livingston, who after all of his years in Africa was asked how he could make such a sacrifice. He almost rebuked the person Mm -hmm. and said, "Uh, given what my Lord did for me, I never made a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It is a God gives us the privilege of participating, and he can use forgiven sinners to build his kingdom. Amazing. I'm awed by it. I'm thrilled by it. I just, I can't, I think even tithing is something that God doesn't need our money. He tells us to tithe because where our treasure is, our heart will be, and he knows how wandering our hearts can be. So he tethers us to him by that. What's been the greatest blessing of being the wife of a pastor? Knowing who Christ is, having the Word of God open to me on a regular basis, and the Lord has increased my faith. Uh, For pastors' wives, too, remember when it gets a little bit onerous, your husband's busy preparing for sermons, and uh, he's got to rightly handle the Word of Truth. Uh, remember that that's you're doing good to your own soul when you, when you give him that time. Margaret, thank you so much for being our guest today on a visit to the pastor's study. book we'd recommend for you, One with a Shepherd. One with a Shepherd. That's a great title, mm-hmm. isn't it? The Tears and Triumphs of a Ministry Marriage by Mary Somerville. Mary Somerville. And this is put up by Crest Christian Publications uh, for you pastor's wives. Uh, a good volume to read. It'll uh, help build on some of the things we talked about here um, and also very helpful too for those who want to uh, encourage pastors wives and their husbands uh, one with a shepherd the tears and triumphs of a ministry marriage well that's about all the time that we have we've come to the end of uh, another visit to the pastor's study as usual the time goes by fast my thanks to margaret shishko mrs pastor bill uh, for being with us today also thank you mrs shishko for being my wife no pastor could ask for a better pastor's wife and her children and and her husband do rise up and call her blessed. Hey, we'd appreciate your feedback or your questions. You can email me, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. And I can assure you, I know Mrs. Shishko's email address. If you send your questions to me about pastor's wife to visitpastorbill at gmail.com, I think that'll have a way of getting to her email box. Remember, tomorrow, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. Remember, too, that everyone needs needs a pastor. Let's pray. Father, we pray for pastors, but now we pray for pastors' wives. We pray that you would encourage them. We pray that they would see that their labors are not in vain in the Lord. As their days are, give them strength and show them more than conquerors in Christ. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.